0: Hello and welcome to Theoretically Theatrical. In this series, we peek behind the curtain and explore the world of performance. Today, we are talking about the playwright, Winsome Pinnock. Pinnock is a prominent figure in British theatre and is frequently referred to as the godmother of black British playwrights. She is a prolific creator and has written for stage and radio. She has also won many awards, including the 2022 Wyndham Campbell Literature Prize, Notably, she was the first black female playwright to have a play produced at the National Theatre. It is important to look at the theatre traditions that Pinnock's plays are reacting to. Black British Theatre became an established creative movement in the 1950s. Playwrights pushed to depict the experiences and stories of people that had made a life in the UK after World War II and the 1948 Nationality Act. While black men were able to find performance spaces for their work, between the 50s and 60s, black women were struggling against the intersectional prejudices of racism and sexism. This meant that their plays were not being produced. However, black female playwrights formed professional and social networks to support each other and create a shared community. One of these network coordinators was Pearl Connor Moguzzi, who founded the Edric Connor Agency in 1956, She utilised her knowledge from her law degree at King's College London to campaign for black actors to be accepted as equity union members, for better pay and for recognition of their work and creations. Pinnock has reflected on this absence of black female voices in theatre. When I was growing up as a writer, there were a lot of black male writers writing about this very experience, of the immigrant community or the black community at a particular time, but there weren't any women writing, and that experience seemed just not to be represented. I remember really wanting to somehow write about the world that I knew or things that I'd seen and felt that weren't being explored. She's very clear about how this gap in the theatrical landscape has wide-reaching impacts, Theatre is a sort of moral conscience of a society, an arena where a society can examine itself. If some voices are missing, I don't think that it's honestly fulfilling that role and is in fact practising a subtle form of censorship. Aspects of Pinnock's personal history have influenced the stories she wants to write about. Her parents moved to the UK from Jamaica and she was born in London. Her mother worked as a cleaner and her father worked at the Smithfield meat market. They were the Windrush generation, she says and often it wasn't easy for them. Her first play, Leave Taking, echoed parts of her parents' life, including the way her mother was treated at work. She has called herself a Windrush baby and asserts that this country owes the Windrush generation so much. She has described herself as a geeky, nerdy kid that enjoyed performance from a young age, becoming part of a group of kids who loved all forms of artwork. Pinnock has reflected on the beginning of her playwriting journey and how her identity as an author has developed over time. When I was a young writer, I was really afraid that eventually you come to an end, but now I realise that you go through different stages all your life and your writing changes with that. It can be scary because you see the emphasis in theatre on youth and you think they'll see you as some old fuddy-duddy. It takes years to find out what you can do with theatre And when you're older, hopefully you'll have internalised all that hard-won craft and experience. You sustain your career by engaging with life and with your own life. That's all any writer has. Lynette Goddard tells us that Pinnock drew influence from playwrights like Harold Pinter and Arthur Miller, and that her preferred style of social realist plays are in keeping with the techniques of the 1980s and 1990s. She consistently places black experiences centrally in her narratives. She utilises Caribbean dialect, which means that black castes are sharing experiences in a provocatively personal voice. Pinnock has stated in an interview with the BBC that she loves writing for radio and the recording process. Radio is different to any other kind of writing experience. It's so evocative. People will be using their own imaginations and feeling things. I couldn't agree more. And on that note, let's take a look at some of her plays more in-depth. In 1995, Leave Taking was the first play by a black woman staged at the National Theatre. It was produced by the National Theatre's Education Department as a mobile production. At the time, Pinnock didn't know that her play would be so historically notable, only finding out years later. She has said that this created a mix of emotions for her, she was happy for the progress being made, but also felt that the whole event furthered her understanding about the culture of theatre and why it took so long for this milestone to be reached. The play is about Enid and her teenage daughters, Dell and Viv, negotiating the frictions between the cultures of Jamaica and the u k. Enid moved to the u k when she was young and had to work very hard to support her two children as a single mother. Her infatuation with England is challenged when her daughter's soul-sickness becomes impossible to ignore. Del avoids home like the plague, and Viv hides away in books. In their own way, they are both trying to understand what black British identity means to them. Enid takes them to an Obia woman for advice and traditional Caribbean healing, and during this meeting, the family uncover some difficult secrets. Obia is a spiritual practice which was developed by enslaved groups in the Caribbean, It was an empowering tradition that enabled these groups to inhabit their own identity, which the enslavers were trying to steal or destroy. Natasha Bonelam tells us that, despite a considerable number of black women creating theatrical work in the 1970s and 80s, leave-taking is a rare example of the black British woman's voice and experience being heard on the National Theatre's stage. Pinnock transformed events that she had witnessed throughout her life, using dramatic license to highlight the themes of the play. While the events are dramatic, the basis of the play is reality. Cultural and generational differences are at the heart of the conflict in the family. The teenagers are coping with occupying multiple liminal spaces. Black Britishness is being created and cemented by and around them. The play itself is a part of forging that identity. The older generation in the play has its own questions to confront. Pinnick asserts that Enid's generation did not talk about their experiences the way that later ones would feel able to. There was a self-imposed silence about the challenges and difficulties they had to face. She feels that this comes from a need to protect their children and dependents. They wanted to provide a place of security for their children to keep climbing from. In the 2018 revival by the Bush Theatre, Many audience members told Pinnock that they related to the play, and said that it felt contemporary, like it could have been written that year. It still resonated with people, and sold out its run. It was just chance that at the time the Windrush scandal had broken. My thirty-year-old play had referenced this. A character says that you could be kicked out of the country if you don't get your papers in order. It made me think that often, if you're in a specific group, like black writers or female writers, you seem ahead of your time because other people haven't heard your arguments or the stories you've wanted to tell. It gave me hope that long after I'm gone, some of my plays may still seem worth staging. But if leave-taking still seems relevant all these years later, that means there really hasn't been a change since 1987. My play spoke to a new generation because in some fundamental way... Society hadn't changed as much as people thought it had. One Under was first staged in 2005 and reimagined for the Grey Eye Theatre Company in 2019. It tells the story of Cyrus, a train driver on the London Underground, and his first experience with someone falling under his train. He becomes obsessed with finding out how the man, Sonny, died and eventually becomes convinced that he is his son. One under is the term used by London Underground Staff to refer to the people who fall under the trains. Pinnock tells us, when you live in London, you're constantly confronted by this event. You're moved by the plight of a stranger. She had an acquaintance who became a victim of a similar event. Writing the play became a matter of weaving stories real and imagined around unanswered questions she and the directors and performers had to wrestle with the discrepancy between someone who appears happy, organised and with a lot to live for, and the shock of how their life ended. The play examines potential motivations and the emotional impact of these losses of life. There is, of course, a particular focus on the effect on train drivers, who often feel responsible and have an unwilling, up-close view of these traumatic events – The characters in the play have to make decisions very quickly throughout, desperately trying to keep ahead of the fallout from the event, turning the story into something of a thriller. Pinnock asserts that the play is about grief, loss, and how people do or do not cope. Cyrus is on a quest for knowledge, and Pinnock believes that it's important that the questions he has are pursued, but makes it very clear that she doesn't have the answers about Sunny's life. In 2019, she expressed being glad to be able to return to the work years later. From her experience, playwrights never feel finished with their work and often return to past productions in their minds. She describes herself as very proprietal in terms of the script, but it was important to her that the cast and crew of the reimagining had freedom to collaboratively create this new version of the play with her. By having performers from a multitude of backgrounds, abilities and a variety of lived experiences, they were able to create a nuanced interpretation of the story. Pinnock writes for theatre because she enjoys working with other creative minds and sees her writing as a part of a collaborative artistic process. She also believes that the audience has a key role in constructing the play, joking that they have to do a lot of work. Rockets and Blue Lights was first performed in 2020 at the Royal Exchange Theatre. While one might casually assume that there have already been plays by British authors about our involvement in the African slave trade, which was outlawed in the UK in 1833, Pinnock asserts that, in fact, until recently, almost no one here had written about it. I suspect people remember certain films, or they think of the African-American plays which have been produced over the years, but that's not our story – This year, 2020, there have been at least three new plays which do focus on Britain and slave trading, but it's new territory. People should think about what that omission says about our willingness to talk about those events. Arifa Akbar describes it as something of a relief to see Britain's slave history depicted by a British author. She believes that Pinnock's writing prevents audiences from hiding behind moral superiority that they might feel when watching imported American horror stories – By attending this play, they choose to and must confront the legacy that continues to affect our communities today. The play divides itself between two time periods, modern Britain and the 1840s. In the 21st century, we follow Lou, an actor that previously worked on a popular sci-fi TV series and is now working on a movie about the artist J.M.W. Turner called The Ghost Ship. The film's goal is to celebrate the bicentenary of the Slave Trade Act of 1807, but Lou sees that its focus is on the white abolitionists, resigning the black characters and their pre-slave history to a footnote. She condemns the film as torture porn. The modern sections highlight the political nature of storytelling and shows that black creators are constantly forced to fight for the right to tell their own histories. In 1840, the focus is on Lucy and Thomas, who live through and witness the transition of abolition. Thomas is a sailor who meets a distressed Turner and confronts him with his hypocrisy. We see Turner working on a painting of the infamous slave ship, the Zong, the site of the Maritime Zong Massacre in 1781. 130 of the Acre, or Ghanaian, prisoners were thrown overboard so that the merchants could claim insurance money. Throughout the play, the two time periods move side by side, but by the end, the past is invading the present. Characters start appearing in each other's time periods, and the stories overlap, emphasising the cyclical nature of history. The scars that the communities have carried forward force them to repeat patterns of behaviour. The play has been described as mirroring the swirling turbulence of the painting it is responding to. Throughout, the past walks beside the present, restless and demonstrating the persistent parallels, it does not shy away from the fact that cultural memory can be incredibly selective, deliberately forgetting or downplaying black trauma. While slavery officially ended in 1807, our culture continues to enact and perform its abuse. Winsome Pinnock speaks about her craft with such passion, and that translates into her writing. I cannot help but be engrossed in the subjects she chooses to write about. Her plays push you to keep learning and searching. When asked about if she is tired of discussing the black voice in theatre, she replied, You hear other people say, I'm fed up with talking about this. But I think, why haven't you still got the energy to fight? This kind of equality isn't going to happen overnight, so you better be prepared to still be talking in 20 years' time. When things change that's when I'll stop talking about it. Pinnock believes that there is a long way to go for black female authors, but hopes that her work and the work of other playwrights of colour will inspire young writers and show that the theatre audience wants these kinds of performances. Thank you so much for listening. Our first official submissions window is open until the 30th of April. We will be accepting original pieces of written work to be performed on the podcast. Whether you are a first-time writer or an expert with a pen, we want to hear from you. We are accepting prose, poetry, radio play scripts and critical reviews of books, films or plays. We want to help uplift your creative voice. Literally. So have fun and show us what you've got. You can find full details about our submission process on our website, yorickradioproductions.com. There will be a link in the description. This has been a Yorick Radio Production.